look in the original phonograph. A little piece of practical poetry. Let me just say this. There's no good How's it going, bro? Good. How are you doing? Oh, man? dude, living the dream. Absolutely. Do you think there's any trans people in the Wild West? Do I think there's any trans people in the Wild West? Yeah, that's the real question. Oh. That's what I was thinking about while we were listening to that song. Well, here's here's a thought, right? So you have like a mining town, like a like a brand new, like up overnight mining town. Yeah, just things you're gonna need in a mining town. You're gonna need miners. Yeah. Uh, they're gonna need places to drink and eat. Yes. And make whoopee. <laughs> and the women were the last people to show up, or like the last thing, period, to show up in these new the you know, bustling towns. Right. It was so no, until no the women get there, yeah. somebody's got to take care of their needs. It was a man's club. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good old boys club for a minute. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is, one miner comes to town with long hair and feminine features. Who knows? Right. I don't and know. You've been baking in the sun for a while? Mm-hmm. Right? Eyes are all yep. cloudy. You never know. Uh, they go by a she. Ooh. Right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a preferred pronoun. My name is Clarice instead of Clarence. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Game over. Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't. I, I, for sure. I'm. And yeah. who built the railroads? Right, the Chinese. Mm-hmm. What what are similar to Chinese people? Thailanders. What what what's in Thailand? <laughs> Lady boys. Lady boys. Dude, it's a, what a beautiful transition you just made. <laughs> I, I was with you the entire time. <laughs> it's an easy deduction. Mm, yeah. Uh-huh. To understand. You can just just follow the steps, man. Look yeah. into it. Yeah, look into it. Uh, we aren't the first ones to talk about it. Oh, we were certainly. Talking about trans stuff before this. Mm-hmm. Now, now we're here. Absolutely. Yeah, we're gonna talk about the Wild West. Mm. The Wild West. Wick, wick, wick. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know where we want to go with this. We we we've we've got things we want to say. We've got yeah. facts that we want to report to the people. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I, like you said. I, not 100% sure where you want to start with this, yeah. but said I had this thought when you were mentioning upstairs about, you know, instead of doing one thing, we'll do, we'll talk about the Wild West. Right. And so in, in some of the research I've been doing, I came across the invention of the uh, the six-shooter. Oh, okay. Like the Colt pistol. Yeah. Or the, the six-shooter. I already said that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the revolver. Yeah, the revolver. There yeah. we go. Couldn't think yeah. of the word. I got you. So what I thought was just... Pretty, I mean, what kind of blew my mind a little bit was when they first came out, when like Samuel Colt, when he first came up with this idea and he had the uh, the patent, everything's going to do, nobody gave a crap about it. Mm. You know, like, what's this little thing going to do? Right. You know, they had all that, I mean, they had muskets and right. maybe the beginning of the, uh, like the Henry repeating rifle. Yeah. But like, with this, you know, the, this little thing's not, I mean, it's a pea shooter. It's not going to mean anything. And, and. And all rights, it failed at first. Like, no one bought it. No one cared about it. Yeah. The only people uh, that even purchased it, like, something like the first six were bought by the, um, the, uh, the, the like, the, the beginning stages of the Texas Rangers. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Okay. I mean, wildly inaccurate, basically useless. <laughs> but if you think about it, if you're on a horse, I mean, what's easier to... You know, to point and shoot than a little like yeah, six one. inch, you know, barrel or, you know, a giant like yeah, right. single loaded mus- or musket. Right. You know, the the little yeah. revolver oh, yeah. makes way more sense. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what started when then they became yeah. well, widely there, popular. Well, see, there's one point where the you know, the names escape me, yeah. but like kind of the leader, the the, the guy in charge oh, the of Rangers. the Rangers okay. is, is having a uh, like a letters back and forth with Sam and Colt saying, uh, this thing is great. Here's what I think you should change. Yeah. And, you know, this will help us do this. I mean, make this heavier, make this easier, you know, just little things here and there. And eventually it came up with like, 
the like the quintessential gun. Like you see this gun, you think, oh, that's an old West revolver. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, that is the old West gun. Yeah, and that's what how it uh-huh. came. Just by tweaking it and making it uh-huh. better. Oh. That's how innovation happens. Absolutely. You start with something. No one sees it. You see the potential. You tweak it, tweak it, tweak it, and then it solves the problem. I like- the problem was. They needed to kill more people. <laughs> well, they needed to kill Wicked. more Indians, really, is yeah. what it was. Especially, yeah. like, they were having, you know, a real big problem, especially with the Comanche. Yeah. You know, think like, you, you think about that, when you have, you have, like, the epitome of technology in your hand, you have a gun, right, and you're fighting, you know. Bows and arrows. Dudes, that they're not, tomahawk. they're barely wearing clothes, and they're shooting arrows, and they yeah. have lances. And you don't know if they're humans either, because they paint themselves mm-hmm. different ways. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Like these, these are not people to them. These are, is it, you know, it'd be like having constant bear attacks. Yeah. <laughs> How do we deal with that? Yeah, right. And what I just thought was very. I mean, so they're these guns are being more and more widely used, and and they're you know pushing back on these Indians. Well, then the Indians get a hold of these guns. You know, they get a hold of the Henry repeating rifle. They get right. all these things, and it's. That was some of their most prized possessions, too, uh-huh. was the gun. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I just think it, you have no concept of, like, what we would view as modern society. Like, back then, they're, like, the, the white man's version of modern society. I mean, you you move from place to place. You don't really own anything. Yeah. I mean, you, everything you own, you can pack up, put on your horse, and move in, you know, an hour. Yeah. Right? And then these, these guns get... Uh, like integrated into these societies and and uh, on top of the horse well the horse is really what I want to talk about how e- like the how m- there were so many Indian tribes that immediately like latched on to horses well, not just didn't. well they didn't you know so, okay. so things like you think of like old western movies like the Apache right you know Apache is a big name you know, they, at first they were they were treating them like livestock they were just eating them yeah. you know they were just like something to have and drag along I mean they were Pretty much useless. Yeah, and then you have They're pack horses. That was uh-huh. it. Yeah, and then you have a, like a tribe like the Comanche who are like the laughing stock right. of the like the Native American community. I mean, they can't they can't make war. You know, right? They, they were the they can barely role. feed themselves. Yeah, yeah. The, you know, they're the, the, they were the, the leftovers, beggars, just the beggars of society. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. the dregs. And then all you know, literally, all it takes is two things: it takes the gun and the horse, and they're immediately on top. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely did not. Yeah. yeah. And Wait, okay, let me let me back up for just a second. Yeah. That's cool. So, 1776, mm-hmm. America starts. Yeah. Right. And then a couple of years later, like I think it was like the 1810s mm-hmm. or something like that. They start. I mean, as more people come into America, they start pushing west, and that's when they displace a bunch of Indians in like Georgia, mm-hmm. in like Tennessee, in this like kind of middle section to go out west. Mm-hmm. And there was different tribes, and then all of a sudden, all Indians mm-hmm. at that point are now Plains Indians, which mm-hmm. is that west. Well, see, not all of them. So they have. They weren't. But they so the, like, let's say like this is like. If the beginning, if not the like the precursor to the uh, the idea of manifest destiny. Yeah. So before before the you know which is what what's manifest destiny so people can understand that. So that like so you like you're in the colonies yeah. right and the colonies are getting more and more uh, larger and they're getting larger but they're also being it's crowded there's not enough yeah you know there there's not enough financial reason to be there. Mm. You know, it would be like moving from one country all across the world to be in the exact same position you left in. Right. And so I think. Right. So, you know, the government or the U.S. government at this time, basically, that's when you get the, the 40 acres and the mule type thing. So, mm. like, if you, we have all of this property, well, not property, I mean, we have all this land that's been undiscovered. We don't, you know, we don't really know it. We know it exists, but we don't know anything about it. What's the best thing to do instead of wasting, you know, their lives or you know money they'll say well hey you know let's say this irish potato farmer comes in and says the government comes up to him and says hey we'll give you 40 acres in the mule if you just go out west mm-hmm. instead of staying here just go that way figure it out you know, figure it out and we'll give you this and that will be yours mm-hmm. so you have just hordes and hordes of people that are just doing this dying by the thousands yeah some of them aren't yeah some of them make it and and as that's happening, you know, you find the places that aren't necessarily livable or, 
or it's it's a very hard living. So you just keep you know pushing forward until you find like this is the spot we're gonna stay. Hmm. And that, I mean, and that is happening. You know, like I said, by the thousands. You know, like during this time. I mean, I guess that's what manifest destiny is. Yeah, I think it, the manifest destiny, from what I understand, is it's like. Um, yeah, we should Google what it is. But I think it's like, this is, we are supposed to do this. Yeah, this is our God-given right to take over this land. To explore, yeah. to colonize. Mm-hmm. To, yeah, yeah, go forward. Uh, yeah. You know but what? I wanted to backtrack Brought a up bit by the Dutch. Because Sorry. Not, technically not all Native Americans became Plains Indians. I mean, a lot of them were already near that area, and they got pushed yeah. farther and farther as like Manifest Destiny was. Seminoles are yeah. from Florida, yeah. and then you have like, and then they Georgia end up in too. Oklahoma, right? Of all places. Well, I think it's because yeah. the government. Pushed well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually, I mean, eventually you'll have things like the tra- uh, Trail of Tears, which is just a com- complete forced migration of all these Native American tribes to this one small area. Yeah, and imagine that's another thing. Imagine. You lived in this one spot You're, for generations. This is your land. You know these woods by the back of your hand. Right. This is where you live. This is where your family live. This is where your kids will live. Right. Uh, and then, and, and these people, like 10, 15 miles away who have settled, that is your enemy. I mean, you make war with these people every day. I mean, they are your absolute enemy. They are the devil to you. Mm-hmm. And then within three years, they're your next door neighbors in a land you don't know anything about. You just know that this is, yeah. you either live here or you die. Yeah. And you have to share with the, like your most hated enemy. Right. I mean, that's. You have to share this now land uh-huh. together. Let's well, see, because yeah. like there's this whole thought, like Native tri- American is this one thing one. and this is this one group, but they, they had, you know, thousands of different tribes with different, like, I mean, there's. There's tribes where they all share like the, their name and yeah. like a similar way of living, but they have different languages. Yeah. See, like, I mean, you could move, you could hop instance, from tribe to tribe. The Dakotas, and, the Lakotas. There's one more. They were all there are three different branches mm-hmm. of the Lakotas, uh, basically. Yeah. yeah. In, in say, like the Sioux and the Blackfeet mm-hmm. and all those. Like Essentially, the same people, but you know, living you know right next to each other and have no way to communicate. Right. Right. And then we're like, now you all live together. You all now have red are, skin. Stay away from us. Yeah, you're now all in Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah or Kansas in the plains. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, what was I going to say? There's Texas. There is a. Uh, what was, Montana. Civ- there was. Uh, I want to say there was five. They called them civilized tribes. Okay. So these are the tribes that immediately. Like integrated with. Oh, well, yeah. They, they, they saw the. Writing you know, on the wall. You know, they saw the writing on the wall. They saw white society and said, like. We don't want to move. You know, we want to preserve, you know, if not our way of life, at least our families. Like, this is our land. We don't want to move. Yeah. So, you know, we'll take on, you know, the whites' clothes, their way, like farming, the way, yeah. everything about white Put society. Put the bow, is, pick up the plow. Yeah, that was exactly. a big thing then. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, that, like, the Cherokee, for example, was a big one. They even owned slaves at one point because this is what the white man did. Wow. And, but the, <laughs> That's wild. The, I mean, the more horrific part of that is the fact that they did all of that and they still get pushed. Yeah, they still mm-hmm. went on the Trail of Tears. I remember re- reading about Trail of Tears and then some of the Indians had slaves mm-hmm. who were on the Trail of Tears. Exactly. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm just trying to give the big picture. And also for listeners, both Phil and I were like, dude, let's talk about the West. Mm-hmm. We both read different books mm-hmm. uh, kind of about that. And I've been listening to different things about that too. And yeah. so it's been really interesting to kind of understand um, – just how all of this came about and it's a lot more complicated what i've found is it's a lot more complicated there's a lot of treachery that happens on all sides it's way more than the than the way that i've been told a white man bad indians good Mm -hmm. this is what happened It, it in some aspects yeah indians were were great and white men were awful. Like they, the government, you can't trust them it, through the well, whole like, thing. You can't it's trust funny that like growing, even growing up now, I heard like in kindergarten hearing the term Indian giving. Mm. You know, there's this whole thought that like the Indians away. will give you this just to you know take it away. Well, it was a way that some tribes uh, did like it's the way they did war. Well, they yeah. say well like uh, like I read in one of my well, one of the books I read. Uh, there's an instance where these Apache, these like very high-ranking Apache chiefs, just strolled into this town and said, "Hey, they thought they like they could one up, you know, the, the the white man and say, well, hey, we'll stop 
you know, raiding these towns or, or, you know, kidnapping and doing this, but, you know, give us, you know, a hundred horse or, you know, like a thousand horses and, 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 you know, guns and this and that ammunition and all these right, things right. do it first and all like, like blackmail yeah Pay this well, to me and then we won't do it anymore. yeah so they they just they walk into town they just sit until somebody important comes up then they bring them into this this like church house set them all down they say all this thing and then i mean like the white man just comes in there and guns them all down because these are the leaders of their of their tribes just coming here with some just absolutely nonsensical obviously this is going to be a trap because they're not going to follow through with it because they have you know hordes of their tribe waiting to just annihilate That's, this town because yeah. it was just like it was they were trying to do like a false flag oh wow which is fascinating because the more and more i read the more I look at it, it that was almost it was a I want you know. I want to think as I'm reading this, like this is a, this is a white man, you know, yeah. tactic. Yeah. But they did this constantly to each other. Well, I, I mean, like you said, it was both forward. sides. Yeah. There was just like this. They're like we'll we'll give you guys this reservation, and then ten years later, they're like, mm-hmm. mm, we're not going to give oh, yeah, you this yeah. reservation. Move. Yeah, you got to go over mm-hmm. to this area. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of that too. Oh yeah. Which is really wild. The the thing that when I was reading, um, I read when the earth weeps i think mm-hmm. is what it's called which is um it was really good it was like a whole history of kind of what happened okay. in the west with indians mm-hmm. from how they got pushed out mm-hmm. from the east coast didn't really start pre-america yeah. it was a little bit more and then it talked about cultures what they did how they thought and then at the end with um how they just slowly even to like got rid of tribes in oregon and washington mm-hmm. like Everywhere, all the way to the west, how we just eradicated them. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I realized from reading that whole thing is don't trust the government. Never trust the government. Never trust, Never the, government. trust the government. Whether you're Indian, whether you're white, whether you're black, whether you're green, whether you're yeah. blue, don't trust the the government. What I thought I, was one story in particular that I really enjoyed was there was a, uh, I want to say it was called The Empire of the Summer Moon, is mm-hmm. the one I read first. And I mean, it talks about. I mean, it talks specific, like more specifically about like the Plains Indian, especially the Comanche and the Apache and other tribes in that area. And, but eventually, as the book progresses, it talks specifically about a, a, like the very last Comanche chief. His name was a guy named uh, Qantas Parker, mm-hmm. who was unbelievable. And, like he was. Uh, so a big thing for the Comanches, they didn't have a leader. It was just kind of like some guy steps up and goes, "Hey." Uh, I'm getting a war party together. We're going to go raid this. Right. And like, but there was no like, there was no structure and leadership. It was just that we were all kind of together. And, you know, I'm, you know, an, an elder. Listen to me. We're doing this. Right. And I think, and, and, and this guy's kind of MO was like, I'm going to go from tribe to tribe and be like, you come, you fight with me, you know, and, and I'll save us kind of, yeah. kind of mentality. Yeah. Didn't he have a religion kind of behind him too? It wouldn't surprise me. I yeah. didn't really talk about that in the book, but mm. he had this. I remember hearing a little yeah. bit about like, yeah. there's like this death cult religion. Mm. Yeah, so we'll see. But I some I think that came a little bit later okay. in life because he's this like full for. Uh, coolest thing about him is one is that he uh, his mom was white. Oh wow! Which I thought was pretty interesting because his mom. Uh, it talks about. His mom, who was this, like, I think she was nine years old when this happened, her family had moved to this, like, the outskirts of this Texas town, you know, with, like, a big barricaded walls, like, this this whole settlement, this is the like whole a fort, family. Basically. Yeah, a fort, yeah. And a Comanche raiding party comes in there and just saw it, pretty much slaughters the whole family, except for a small few, like, five or six of them. And her and her brother just happened to be... Uh, Two, two or three of the kids. I think they took a couple of the kids and, and one Maybe or two of the women. Yeah. Or the older women. And, uh, you know, as slaves or, you know. But eventually, is this, this, you know, she's nine years old. And as she gets older, she becomes more and more integrated into the tribe and eventually gets a husband who becomes a war chief. Oh, wow. Right? So he, she, uh, there was a couple times even where uh, members of her family had, like, uh, paid groups like like the Texas Rangers. Like originally, they started as, uh, you know, you pay us and we will go find and 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 retrieve. Buy, they'll or, buy back or you know yeah. retrieve your lost family members. And a lot of them were scams, but yeah, there was one instance where the, uh, near the end of her life, they they found her. They killed her husband and a bunch of other people in in the group. 
she lost her kids. Like she didn't, she thought they were dead. Oh wow! I mean, one of the I think her oldest was Qantas. Yeah. So they had this this raid. This these these rangers come in there, slaughter everyone. Grab her, see that she's white. Grab her, find out that she is this uh, Cynthia Ann Parker was her name. Okay. They find Cynthia. They bring her back to her family, and she's absolutely. I mean, she's pretty much catatonic for the rest of her life at that point because she is like from the age of nine until I want to say 40s maybe it's basically the age escapes me but like essentially her entire life she knows this way of living and it becomes who she is yeah and then nope put a corset back on and go into town wow kind of thing and she's not handling it well and eventually I forget exactly how she dies, but you know, she just she spends the rest of her life miserable, not knowing if her you know if her children are alive, wow. just missing everything about Whatever. who she was. Yeah, right. Yeah, and th- through that it goes to uh, Qantas, who who grows up thinking his mom was killed. Like he does, he eventually uh, fi- like he doesn't find her, but he finds out that she had died. Oh wow! Like a lot, uh, several years later in life. But he spends his early years basically seeking revenge. So he, he's completely fueled on, like, you killed my mother, my father, my family's gone. I have nothing. I'm just here to kill a white man kind of yeah. thing. And he just, I mean, he, he is successful at it. Oh, wow. He's, I mean, he, unlike anything, any of these other Comanches you've seen, I mean, he's not, he's barely being touched. He goes into this battle and people are dying all around him and he's yeah. being, you know, it's almost mythical. Yeah. Like, I think that's where something like that cult comes into play because yeah. he's like, he's untouchable, and he's one after another after another until finally he just gives up. He just like, I'm going to be a white man now, basically. <laughs> wow. And so he just he 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 goes to the government, gets pushed into uh, like an reservation. I don't, yeah, one of the reservations, and and I mean, he does anything he thinks a white man would do. You know, he's just constantly being like sleazy. Oh wow! Like do, at the same time, though, I mean, he's helping these Native Americans around him. Like he's doing everything. Everybody loves this guy, but he's just doing constant like shady business practices. Really, it's yeah. fascinating. He's like completely switches faces almost. And uh, I mean, he meets you know Teddy Roosevelt, a bunch of like celebrities and actors. Everybody wants to see this guy, but he's just like you go from. If you have pale skin, you deserve death. To like, I want to be just like you. And he's wow. every time, every time you know, he sees a white person, especially like a government. He's just like he schmoozes them and just like you come stay with me and a, yeah, wheels and deals it, huh? One of the things I thought was pretty funny is that he had had when he moved to this reservation, he had had multiple wives. Like he had one main wife and and a couple other ones. At least one other one, I want to say. <laughs> and he, through most of his life, he's having this fight with the government because obviously they're not cool with polygamy. Yeah. And it was like, this is my wife. It's my wife. Right. <laughs> this one and this one, they belong to me. They're my wife's. <laughs> the government's like, how do we deal? And they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, well, at least he's not killing us now. Mm-hmm. So, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. I, <clears throat> there's a lot of things that I found fascinating about just Indian culture in general. One was, um, to be able to court or even mm. date a female, yeah. you would have to what they do what they call counting coup. Okay. Are you familiar with counting coup at all? Mm. So this is a practice that Indians would do. You would go into battle, and instead of killing someone, your enemy, <clears throat> you would touch them with. Oh, so I think I, I heard of this. Uh, there was sorry, I didn't mean to no, that's you, but this during World War Two there was a like a, a Cree chief. I think it was, no, it was Crow. He was a Crow war chief, and he became a Crow war chief during World War II because there was, I think it was either three or five things that he had to, had to accomplish. Yeah. So this was like stealing like five enemy horses, yeah. touching somebody in battle without killing them. Yeah. Uh, and take, yeah, taking their, uh, yeah. Scalping them. Scalp, yeah. Yeah. There's so, so, <clears throat> so you would go in and you would, you would touch someone mm-hmm. with your weapon, but you, in the, um, if it was a weapon, it had some significance. If it was like a feather mm. or something that wasn't a weapon, like super non-weapony, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was even higher rank oh, of coup. Okay. And so you could have like different levels. So they had this whole like levels to it. But yeah, you would have to go on your ra- raiding party. You'd have to count coup. You'd have to do certain things to even be able to court. Mm-hmm. And they didn't count 
um, touching a white person with their stick or anything as counting coup. They're like, white people are, are not yeah. worthy yeah. fighters, uh-huh. so they do not even count. So to, in order to even marry someone, you had to go either... Uh, attack or kill another Indian to be able to have your wife, like to yeah, even I, start dating. I read something similar to this for it was like, you know, an, a Native American warrior could kill, you know, an endless amount of white people. I mean, yeah. you could have you could have an entire tent made of white scalps, and it mean nothing yeah. compared to one Indian scalp. Yes, yeah, because they were all they weren't people to them. They were, yeah, they, which I think they thought just, they were like roaches, yeah, like, exactly, or, or just bugs. Uh-huh. But they didn't even think so. Which, well, that was fascinating. Well, see, that plays into there's another thing. It was ultimately something that uh, pretty much destroyed them, especially the Comanche. Is that like just how like at the time? We'll say during the Revolutionary War, the reasons the Americans, well, the reason they were able to come become America, excuse me, hmm. was like the the British come in and they're they're all fighting in lines. Like this right. is it's point your gun, you shoot. If you die, if you you know you're dead. If you keep, if you don't die, you keep going. You just keep marching forward. You're trying to gain ground, right? Little by little. This is like the civilized way to do war. Yeah. Generally, Whereas the Americans right. are like popping out of the bushes, shooting, hiding, running away. I mean, the, yeah, the guerrilla warfare. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When at all costs doesn't have to be in yeah. in lines. Well, at the same time, so when. As a Native American, when you make war, this is a very specific thing that you need to do. I mean, there's, they follow the exact same pattern every time. Like, yeah. they'll come in, they circle, they shoot a bunch, they take off, they come back. I mean, it's like yeah. down to the amount that they come back. It's identical every single time. So yeah. uh, I read an account uh, from the Texas Rangers where there was one guy in particular that figured this out fairly quickly. So, I mean, it just took like a little bit of deduction to be like, well, they're going to come in here. They're going to do this. They're going to come back. And when they come back, they get uh, attacked and in a way that confuses them because they're not used to that. And they think, yeah. this is how we do war. This is how you should do war. But it's not. Right. Yeah. There was multiple times where in- Indians could have won, but then they decided mm-hmm. to use the, the They, they just took off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's like, the tactics. They were, yeah. At the very last minute of battle, all right, we're going to retreat. Yeah. We'll come back because war if is If they over. would have fought another... 15 mm-hmm. minutes, they would have decimate, decimated the whole... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. The, the other thing that was really interesting while I was learning about Native Americans, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about the West as well, because mm-hmm. the West is just fascinating in general. Mm-hmm. It was wild and lawless, and anyone mm-hmm. could do whatever they wanted, no matter what, who you were or what you did. But um, the medicine, did they ever talk about medicine in those books that you were reading? The- I remember reading a lot about things like bad, what they considered bad Bad medicine. medicine. Yeah. Yeah. So medicine was, uh, you would go on a spiritual journey as an, as an Indian or a a male Indian. I don't think, I don't know females. Mm. I don't know, but you would go and you would have a spiritual journey and on that journey you'd have a vision. Okay. And that vision usually would be your medicine. So they would come Mm. back and they would say, I had this vision. Um, one vision that a guy had, I forget who the Indian was, but he said, if I put like a line of holly or around our camp, no white person will be able to pass this. And unless we loot white people after the battle, then my medicine will no longer work. So they would have these, like, if you do this, you get this outcome and it would work in a lot of times. And they would, they would, it was crazy. Like during that, in specific encounter, they put this line of holly around their camp, mm-hmm. and no white person was able to cross it. They just de- de- defeated them, defeated them, defeated them, mm-hmm. until uh, they decided to scalp and loot the people that they killed. Then the next battle, they just, yeah. it was just like, they believed it so much, and it came true a mm-hmm. lot of times. Um, I always thought it was, I mean, it was a bit confusing to me, is that, like, let's say you were on a wagon train out west, like, you, you a lot of the time you would have you would hire some guy who's done, like gone all the way to like Oregon and back yeah. a couple times yeah and he would bring you know you could have a couple hundred people on this trip so you have this yeah. big line of wagons if you're in Indian territory the easiest way to like defend or like keep yourself safe is just to circle the wagons because the Indians wouldn't travel all the way around the circle. Mm. <laughs> like all they had to do is bust through one wagon, but they would travel because their idea was to circle you. 
But if it was too big of a circle, they would just give up. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so you just go. So, so, so like one, if a circle of wagon and one dude with a gun could defeat an entire like war party. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that like the the mess and I heard about mm-hmm. like there was thing they had so many different. Mm-hmm. Like one guy was like, if I eat any food that touches metal. My medicine is gone. There's like things like that that's super superstitious. There was I, I read about one guy who followed that uh, Qantas Parker mm-hmm. like uh, uh, during his like heavy raiding years. He had, he was like a medicine man, or I guess you'd call him that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, he had there was one battle in particular. He goes in and says, "All right, we're gonna do." I had this vision. We got to do this raid, uh, and uh, I'm like he was. He had this thing that he painted. He got completely naked and he painted himself yellow because that and that was his medicine. It meant he couldn't get hit by a bullet. bullet right. Then they go into this battle. He gets shot like fifteen times. Yeah, and dies. And then it's just, well, he did something that created bad medicine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They would. They, 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 and then if you didn't have you didn't have a vision, didn't have a journey, you would find someone whose medicine mm-hmm. was working, and then you could take on that yeah, medicine as well. It was yeah. a whole. That was very fascinating. The the other thing, I mean, when we were talking about Kaiku and, and things like that, it was just fascinating because there was times where America had just come out of Civil War, mm-hmm. where we were weak, and if uh, they would have if would have banded together mm-hmm. and just had like a, a unified front, they would have mm-hmm. decimated. Oh yeah, over and over and over again. But um, the only the biggest time that they ever banded together, it was like documented, was when a United States commander came in and unified multiple different tribes to go after one specific tribe. Interesting. And they were like, "Yeah, we hate this tribe. We'll was all it, band together." That, and it was documented like they were all like, "This has never happened before. Where we're all together doing yeah. it." There's like. Who would have ever thought that all these Indians would be together? And it was because of a United States yeah. commander. There, there was a, a bunch of instances, especially with the uh, the Texas Rangers, yeah. where they would use all they had to do was like say if they were hunting Comanche, they would find this other tribe who like would constantly hate them. Was known, yeah, they hated them. They were known to make war with them a lot, so they would go and they would use them as trackers because you know they would always be on the white man's side because it meant that they could annihilate their you know their enemy yeah and, and that, if they got a kill they it would be they could go and mate they could mm-hmm. go and have wives they could hi, get yep. higher up in their in their society if they, if they knew if they follow these white men they'll get what they needed yeah yeah which is just wild it's mm-hmm. just crazy to see kind of how um, seeing those things, I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. It's re- it really is fascinating. But the one thing that was just pounded into my head is like every time the United States would say one thing, a couple years later they would change it every would, time. Every time. Every single time. Yeah, and it's like, um, it's just sad to see. Hey, we'll t- we'll take your guns. We won't do anything to you. And then they would line them up and just murder them. You know. The I think the most horrific part about that is that they're still doing that today. Oh yeah. When they say like. It's in the 2020s, and we still have like you know you know this land that has been yours for generations. We forced you onto it. This is all you have. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna put a pipeline down in the middle of it. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah. This uh-huh. is yeah. We need to. Uh-huh. And we took we remember this property we forced you to have and gave you no money to survive on it. Right. You know, it's worth nothing. We're gonna give you nothing for it. Right. You know, it's, it's just nasty. Yeah, and it was there was times where um, the leaders of America could have done done right, and they just didn't over and over and over again. Broke promises, mm-hmm. all that stuff. the The West was fascinating too. Like uh, I was reading a book about um, travel from you know one side of you know you, they're in St. Louis, Missouri, and then they they're going to uh, San Francisco, and the way that they traveled was by stagecoach. And I never really thought about st- stagecoach was like that was the fast because you had the people in the wagons mm-hmm. that was the slow journey yeah takes six months nine months yeah. stagecoach was like thirty days you're there and the way stagecoaches would work is you would pay to take the to go and you would get in the coach and it would travel from one spot to the next location and then they would remove the driver. And they would remove the horses. They get a new driver and new horses. But they had the stagecoach. I forget what they called him, but he was like the the head, like the conductor. Mm-hmm. So the conductor would stay with you the whole journey. But they would switch out drivers and horses every fifteen miles. So they had these outposts 
all the way across the United States, and they would just drive these horses as hard as they could. And then these drivers would drive for eight hours, 12 hours at a time, get off at the post, and then drive back. And they would just drive this one section their whole life back and forth. And I'm like, I never made that connection. Yeah. I always just assumed Stagecoach was the. One person. Wagon thing that they were putting. It was, well, it was, but it was, well, no, it was the, it's like a little carriage, uh, you know, and yeah. it's got the big wheels and they got the horses and the, the dude on top. Would yes. Yeah. yeah. And so they, that's the way that they would do that. And it is like, um, when this guy, when the guy was writing the book, heading out, is Mark Twain. I was reading a, yeah. a Mark Twain book. He was, he went out and, uh, on his way back 10, 15 years later, they went on, uh, train and what took them 30 days took them like three or four days wow. on the way back and they just were flying and so the invention of the train must have been mind-boggling yeah i can't imagine that yeah that's yeah the train's crazy and then that i mean that was a whole i mean they brought so many people in um just to work and build that all the way out mm -hmm. right and then you know you talk about potato famine and the irish well after world war or not world war after the civil war mm -hmm. like they were being brought in to fight the indians there's all these like taking there's, immigrants yeah. and using them and then like okay well whatever what's say they would do that right off the like they got off the boat and if you were like a viable male you mean all right sign here you want your family to be citizens? If you want to move past this port, sign here. You're now, uh, here's your gun and your uniform. Yeah. Get to it. Especially, they did that a bunch during the Civil War. Oh, wow. There were so many Irish that fought, especially for the Union during the Civil War. Right. It was a big reason why uh, the Union had so many more people. Like, I mean, you see, like, a port like uh, New York. Yeah. Staten just Island. Every single Irish male that got off a boat Come between the ages of like 14 and up, I'm like, you're fighting for us. That's how your family gained citizenship. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty nasty. That's so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the West. And it's um, the other thing I was learning about like the West is just like uh, how it, how it is always. There was monopolies on things. Mm. Like there was cattle baron. Barons is what they would call. Like these people who um, the land was the government's land. Uh -huh. It was massive. And people had not settled yet. But they were giving homesteads. The, the Homestead Act had happened. There was this act that they said, you can go out and homestead on all this land we have. But um, these cattle barons had been there for forever. And they were getting fat off of free land because their, mm -hmm. their cattle are going there. And so these homesteaders would come. And the government gave them their acreage and said, you can live here and you're going to prosper. And so they would start building and they put their barbed wire, which was a, a new invention, mm -hmm. barbed wire up. They're going to wire their whole area. Mm -hmm. And then the cattle barons were getting mad. So oh, yeah. then what they would say is like, okay, this person put a wire in front of my cattle. These people are not actual people. They're cattle rustlers. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're just going to go in and hang them all mm -hmm. without any trial, without injury. So like tons of people died that oh, way yeah. too it was just that it was wild back then so you got that it, it blows me away how much like how, or how big business the business of uh like the lawman was yeah. back then or just yeah, like the sheriff the sheriff like or like a marshal yeah like that was that was a big deal yeah, I mean, because you got to kill anyone you yeah. wanted. Well, imagine coming into a town and you know, a town of five hundred people, and three hundred and fifty of them had warrants on their heads. Oh yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> like, oh boy, you know, and you just, and then the, like the, pro, the the idea of the dead or alive thing. You just go, like yeah. going in with a couple of guns and just shooting as many people as you can and making several like becoming wealthy off of shooting people in the in, yeah. And, put, and turning in their contract and getting mm -hmm. hundreds of dollars at that time. Oh, yeah. Where their salary was like $30 a month. That's your salary, a dollar a day or whatever. And now it's like, yeah. And, that, and the other thing is, it's weird. It's only 100 years ago. Mm. Well, it was, it was like 30, 40, 50 years in, ago. In reality, it was about one and a half people ago. Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's the crazy part. Let's say, because my great grandpa was born in 1901. Yeah. So like, that was like, his dad. Yeah, grew up in the middle of that. Yeah, was just thriving mm -hmm. in it at uh -huh. that point. Uh, yeah, it's it wild. There's a lot of stuff in the 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 book that I read was great. It was, mm -hmm. fast, it was really fascinating. Just to hear about the culture, mm -hmm. like they were training their kids at such a young age to learn how to shoot bows. Mm -hmm. They're like the first thing you do as an Indian boy is you learn how to shoot a bow, not accurately, 
Just shoot it. As far as you can. Shoot as hard and as far as you can until you get a certain length. Mm -hmm. Then you will learn on accuracy because you need the amount of power to be able to shoot it. Was so it was just learning that. I had read something like about that uh, where it's like Comanche children. Yeah. The very first thing that you learn as a Comanche child is to ride a horse and shoot a bow off the horse. Yeah. It's the very and they first would thing they shoot they learn. underneath mm -hmm. the yeah. horse. They, they would not shoot up. Like you would normally think, they would literally swing to the side, so most of their body mm -hmm. is parallel with the horse, and then they would shoot underneath between the legs. Well, imagine just, just imagine you're so you know, you're out in this big plain, and then here comes this big horde of like stampeding wild horses. You can't yeah. think anything of it. I mean, they don't have uh, saddles on them or anything. These are clearly just wild horses. Then all of a sudden, arrows just start flying at you out of nowhere. Yeah, you don't even see because you can't see them. Yeah. Yeah. It, and the the interesting thing about their horses is um, they were so well trained. I remember hearing about a battle where um, the Indians would go up, like run to a ridge, fight, 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 and then jump on their horses, go to the next ridge. But they would just mm -hmm. they would jump off their horses. The horses would just like walk back behind them and just start grazing and chilling. As like guns are going, there's machine guns and cannons. And there was no better. Uh, they were just was, chilling. There the was no better group at training horses. Yeah. They, yeah, they really. Well, I've, I've read all kinds of cool stories about that, where they would go, like they would come across a, a herd of wild horses and start to stampede them, and and they would do that. They would ride them up, ride up next to them as fast as they could, mm -hmm. hop off of their horse onto another horse, and the horse would be on the ground and completely uh, broke by the time it stood back up. Wow! Because they come, they would, they would, uh, they get up next to this this herd. They would hop on a horse's back, wrap a. Uh, a rope around its throat and just tighten it until the horse couldn't breathe and just hold it until the horse like stopped and fell and was almost on the brink of death. Then they let it go and the horse would stand back up and then hop on the horse and ride away. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. That is wild. Mm -hmm. That's and there, there are some instances of uh, Native Americans that were able to shoot like a penny at full gallop with a, a bow and arrow. Wow. Because they were so good at riding horses. Wow. Yeah, the technique uh, is just yeah. The um, I remember hearing about uh, one top. I forget the names. It's been so long. But the top general, he's like the best cavalry men in the United States are the Indians. Oh yeah, like we have cavalry. They're nothing, nothing compared to. I, I had read a, a, a pretty funny story about because uh, a lot of the time when they weren't making war, like a, a group of Native Americans on horseback would come up to a, like a, a military outpost and uh, want to uh, race, you know, the, like, so we'll take this horse and they'd have, they would swindle these, uh, these soldiers and go, here comes this like chubby uh, native on a, like this stubby little like mule sized horse that yeah. like barely like it's holding on. And then they go to race and he'd be, you know, a hundred feet ahead of him almost immediately. No way. Over and over again. He'd race like everybody in this entire outpost with this, or in this entire outpost with this little horse yeah. and, and make hundreds of dollars. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. There's the, it's crazy when you start. You know, I'm, yeah. It's fast. I'm, uh, also how they like would name people. Right, oh, you yeah. would wait until you know, as if you're. You, say, you didn't have a name until you were worthy, like you did something worthy enough yeah. to earn, or like a nickname. Yeah, basically. yeah, and the names Which, were just like rough sometimes. Oh, yeah. so like, well, oh you know, you hear them in you hear them in their native tongue, and they're these super eloquent, like mm -hmm. beautiful names. And surprise, my name's Coyote Pussy. Yeah, <laughs> uh -huh. or, yeah exactly. Or, oh, that's a real no. Oh, that's yeah. a oh, hundred percent. Yeah, I read that one in a book. It's yeah. like a real guy's name. Yeah, or like dog sits so, on you uh, or something. Uh, There's Qantas, uh, Qantas, for example. I think it can mean one of two things. I can't think of one of them, but the other one was stinky. Oh wow! So it was either something interesting like fast or stinky. <laughs> and he had a son, or not a son, he had a little brother whose name was Peanut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there, there's like... And once in your name, you did, yeah. that's your name. Once it was like humps like buffalo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or small feet. Smells like this or whatever. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, dude, Indian culture is crazy. Mm -hmm. The medicine stuff really got me thinking about different things. I was mm -hmm. like, this is wild. Because a lot of times their medicine, their spirit, it was spiritual uh protection and some of it was like i mean i think they brought like they they had the spiritual 
like they're following like bad spiritual stuff mm-hmm. at times. And sometimes they were the spiritual stuff that they're following was literally saving them well, in I, miraculous ways. Um, well, I thought was pretty interesting. There's a lot of tribes like the Comanche, a lot of Plains tribes, excuse me, would have like, there's the idea of like, you know, mono or like polytheism mm-hmm. where, uh, like the Comanche, they didn't have a god. They just everything had a spirit. The rocks, sand, yeah. wood, everything had its own spirit. So it was just like the medicine was in every single thing that they did and touched at all times. I thought that was pretty. Yeah, it's different than what we think. Yeah, yeah, they mm-hmm. were really connected. They were really connected to, um, yeah, the earth. It was just yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just living off the land. They're just doing the, the buffalo was their biggest currency. Mm-hmm. Like that was in the do, plains. Yeah, you know, it'd be like you're a king for having a buffalo hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, speaking of buffalo, I thought was pretty interesting. Like a big uh, contributor to their like waning like need to like kowtow to the government was like the buffalo were starting to disappear. Mm. And then there was a whole lot of like especially. Especially when some tribes uh, uh, acclimated to the horses, it became easier to kill. So they were killing off way more than they usually did. Mm. On top of like they would do things like they would uh, they would come uh, they would uh, rush buffalo or they would stampede buffalo like to the edge and eventually off a cliff, right? And then go down to the end uh, the bottom of the cliff and collect you know all the buffalo that died. So there would be hundreds of them that would died, but at the same time, especially as the um, as the trains were being built through the West, yep. especially the plains, you know, you could, uh, you know, as, as a person riding the train, you could go out back at, or at the back of the train and just like come through a field where you see buffalo and just shoot them yeah. with no intention of getting off or touching the buffalo. So if it, like you're a Native American living near that train track and then you come across, like you go to eat, uh, get food, you know, you go to hunt and you come across and there's a field full of thousands of dead buffalo that are just rotting. Uh, you know, or sometimes they'd do that and it would, they would just take the hides yeah. and leave everything else. So just, you know, hundreds and thou- almost thousands of pounds of wasted meat. Right. Yeah, I, I heard that there's um, these young brothers, uh, believe to Manifest Destiny, mm-hmm. and they created a rifle that was super powerful. And then that, that was their ticket into killing. And they were super accurate. Yeah. And they had the scope and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and then they started selling buffalo hide. And that's really was very lucrative for a time until all the buffalo. It's fascinating how things just, uh, not necessarily just buffalo hides, but hides in general. Like my family owns a uh, butcher shop. Yeah. They have a butcher business. And when I was a kid, there was a company that would come through and they'd pick up and they would buy the hides. Oh, yeah. From the, so they, you know, they'd go and, and, and tan the hides and turn into leather. They would go, you know, make footballs, any, any like yeah. leather goods. Yeah. Right. And, you know, anything there from like close to 100 bucks a hide. Wow. You know, this is a super lucrative business now. My family can't get rid of them because the, the leather has become such a like non-need. Really? Nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. They, so they just have like they had to find new ways to get rid of it. They almost have to pay somebody to come pick up something wow. that they got paid to give away. Wow. It's fascinating. That's wild. Uh-huh. Yeah. What, what can we do to turn that into something? You want to start tanning uh, cow hides in your backyard? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. Not yet. Maybe in five years, come ask me. Mm-hmm. No, speaking of, I mean, just just to clarify, they are bison. We realize that huh. the the American buffaloes are called bison. They're not actual buffaloes. The buffaloes that are actual buffaloes are not in America. They would be bison, but we everyone call them buffaloes. And we're now thinking about that. I I don't know if you've ever heard this, but. Um, Buffalo soldier. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that means? I'll tell you. I feel like I've heard. Some, go ahead, yeah. Black soldier. Black soldiers. Yeah. I didn't even realize. Yeah, the Native that. Americans called them this. Correct. I think I remember reading yeah. this. Yeah. There's a lot of times they go in to fight because they had the they had similar hair to the buffalo. Yeah. It was just <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It was crazy. I didn't, I never realized mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I mean, I've heard the term, but yeah. And you say, and they were t- the Native Americans treated them even worse than they did white people. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you, there's accounts where. Um, the the black infantrymen would come in and literally save 
white people and they'd be like, oh, these black people aren't that bad. Yeah. Like there's documented well, say, There was, I, I read a thing that said that there's- Just fast. They, uh, it was considered bad medicine to kill a uh, a, buff- a buffalo soldier because yeah. it was like it was almost like uh, releasing an evil spirit. Oh yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, Wild West is wild. Indians are wild, man. It was good to really read. I was really uh, I have to remember exactly what that. But it was such a good book, mm. and I got the audio book, and I really enjoyed just listening to it and the culture and the things. And, yeah, but yeah, that's about all I have to. To talk about with mm. when it comes to Indians, mm. how are you? Anything you want to talk about? I think we pretty much covered it. Yeah, we we got to it. Um, well, I d- this isn't necessarily what we were talking about, but I was listening to this thing today. It was this uh, uh, this Native American couple that run this uh, this organization. I can't think of the name, but they were talking about uh, they were telling a lot of stories, a lot of Native American stories of their like past before like. You know, thousands of years before the white man came, where uh, they have like similar, like almost identical creation stories to like Uh-oh. Jesus and, yeah. and like all like it's the I mean different names, but it's the exact same thing. Yeah, that's to wild. the point of like Jesus's crucifixion. That's uh, that was wild. Pretty fascinating. Yeah, there's like multiple different stories were, from different. They were connected the country, on a yeah. like a spiritual level. Yeah. The things that mm-hmm. most of us had no clue about, and most of us still have no clue about. They were on to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book I read was The Earth is Weeping. So Earth is that's weeping. pretty solid. What was the book you read? Uh, Empire of the Summer Moon. Empire. And, uh, oh, I can't. Yeah. Definitely go check them out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, very, very fascinating. Really enjoyed uh, mm-hmm. learning about kind of the culture, things that they're doing. Yeah. Well, should we wrap it up? Let's wrap it up. Okay, guys. Catch you on the next one. Peace. See ya. to live in Rainbow Land and you can't make me live in Rainbow Land! This is America! You do not have to live in Rainbow Land! You can go to Rainbow Land! It does not exist! It's a fictitious place! I was eight when I wrote it! It's It's right here! It's Communist Manifesto! Don't worry, what he's looking at you. Is he pointing at me? Sure, the fuck is. Can't hear a communist. You fucking shit about me again? Huh? What is he pointing at me? You pointing at me? What? Are you pointing at me? You're talking to me? Huh? Fucking dickhead. What are you doing? What are you doing? I can't help. What did you tell him? No, no, no! Oh, your nickname in school is Tickle Shits. I'm going to see if it's true. Don't you shut your pants, Marty? <laughs> Don't burn his hair. You do not hey. touch my hair. Touch my hair. It's a $900 haircut. How much time? Don't talk about that, kid. Don't talk about that.